What's going on, guys? You're listening to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. You got Phil Vallejo here and Kalen Wojcik, your hosts. Our goal here at the Modern Day Sniper Podcast is to help you become the modern day rifleman. You know, for the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, this podcast is meant for that modern day rifleman looking for relevant information in the art of long range shooting. Kalen and I dubbed the concept putting mindfulness behind the rifle, which means understanding and being conscious of your overall intentions to meet the second that you connect with that rifle. Another instance of putting mindfulness behind the rifle is understanding that ego is the enemy. In order for us to learn and evolve, we must check our ego at the door. Um, so whether you're a hunter looking to extend your range uh, for ethical kill shots, a competitor looking to you know, uh, make his way to the podium, or a sniper that you know, just wants to be the go-to sniper at his craft and his job, um, you know, this is the podcast for you. You know, one thing that uh, Kaylin and I talk about a lot, especially the last few episodes, is, you know, uh, finding your own truths. And, and what that means is what Kaylin and I are sharing with you in these podcasts are our truths. And, you know, one thing that we want for you guys, the listeners, our audience, is to take what we have and utilize it as a reference point or a baseline. Uh, but ultimately, you know, don't just sit sit on this information and consume it we want you to go out there and uh, find your own truth to what um you know what you find what works for you so um if you refuse to be dogmatic and are in search of a deeper understanding and out there seeking information you are also a modern day sniper and a modern day rifleman and guys welcome to the show Okay, guys. So like Phil said, man, we are with you for another episode. And uh, this is Kalen. And we have a very, very special guest on with us today. Um, this guest is one of the original gangsters of the uh, current state of the sport, if you will. Uh, started off doing this um, a very long time ago and was one of the figures that, uh, that was pretty much the, the individual that that showed us the way with regard to fundamentals of marksmanship and, and taking a deeper look into the fundamentals of marksmanship and then redefining what was capable with a rifle. And I think that's really, really important to highlight is that, you know, what we're doing is constantly trying to reevaluate and redefine what, what is capable with a, with a modern day rifle. And so with that being said, I would really like to welcome, extend a warm welcome to Jacob Bynum. Jacob, thanks for being with us today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be on here with you two guys. This is awesome. Yeah, we, this is one of those things that, you know, as every day I sit and, and you know, my morning is, I sit with, I sit and just kind of take some time to myself and, and extend and just look at it and extend some gratitude and say, okay, like, where am I at? Where am I doing? What am I doing? And part of that gratitude is always, you know, uh, understanding that we have such a tight knit community of people that um, really, really have a lot of passion uh, driving this. I mean, Jacob, how long have you been doing this now? I don't know. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where in a blink of an eye, you know, it's like two decades. You know, I've been yeah. I've been behind a scope rifle for two decades. And it's it's crazy and I extend a lot of gratitude for people like you in the sport because um I remember when I came into this game as an instructor, you know, I didn't know anybody. I was just fresh out of the service and all of a sudden I'm like, Yeah, you know what? I want to start doing this and I met, I linked up with you and Frank Galley. Frank allowed me to, um, 
to post some training courses on the hide. And then, you know, I shot my first rifle match with you down in rifles only. Well, first, first, like, rifle match outside of being in the Marine Corps. And, right. you know, dude, you, you welcomed me with, with open arms and we have been good friends ever since. And I just want to say thank you because that is not a common thing in this industry, is it? Well, the honor's mine to begin with. Um, and if it's not common, it should be common. Uh, you know, the thing about it is I think we're all, we're all kind of looking towards the same goals. You know, we want to have a good time. We want to meet good people, you know, just for our, our life goals. And then for our shooting goals, you know, we want to surround yourself with people who are better than you. You know what I mean? And now, fortunately, there's a lot of people that are better than me. And I like to surround myself with those guys because it makes me a better shooter, too. Exactly. But I think I think uh, Phil hit hit the nail right on the head in his intro whenever he said, you know, check your ego at the door. You know what I mean? Because the, the, the bullet is going to do what the bullet is going to do. And it's up to us to, uh, you know, kind of kind of make that happen the way we want it to happen. And no matter how good we think we are the bullet don't care man you it's right I mean? it's it's gonna live in the environment that it's gonna live in and and a lot of people i think have kind of drifted away from understanding that you know there's a lesson behind every miss that you make mm -hmm. there's a lesson behind every miss that you make and if you're too busy you know worried about you know um i understand we have to know why we miss but like instead of uh, letting that get associated with your ego and just understanding that, Hey man, like it is what it is. Just look at it and understand and learn from the miss. And, yeah. And know why you and then move on and put it, it, put it in the past because you know, learn from it, learn what you can. But I've seen so many people that come to matches, they do really, really good. Then they get to that one stage that they blow the stage or don't do as well as they should. And then they let that affect the rest of their time there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, man, just let it go. I mean, it, it's, it's a part of history now. Just move on. And, you know, there's the, the good ones, they do. You know what I mean? They just let it go and, and continue mm -hmm. on. Nobody's, nobody's cleaning everything. You know what I mean? So you can't really expect yourself to do that. It was kind of, I was just finished up a class yesterday, and one of the guys was in it. I had to, I had to get with him and just say, hey, look, <clears throat> you're giving yourself permission to push a bad shot. You know, when, be intellectually honest, when did you know it was going to be a bad shot? Well, as yes. soon as I pulled the trigger and I said, well, no, you probably knew it before the trigger broke, but you did it anyway, hoping that the rifle gods were going to shine down on you. And they just don't do that. That's right, man. It's, it's really crazy when you start thinking about it. You go, when was the last time in your mental thought process that you thought it was, it was a good idea to press the trigger at that interest, at that instance. Yeah. And a lot of people really can't do that. Like, and just like you said, you know, you know, when you when that rifle when you feel the recoil of that rifle you know whether that was a good shot or not yeah but i think we know before you know i think we know before we just we're just too deep into it at that point meaning yeah like it's like you're con meaning like you're convincing yourself the whole time even though there's that little demon in the back of your mind that says no 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 man you shouldn't do that right now <laughs> but all of a sudden it's just like your ego says no you got to make it happen you got to make it happen the time's going or the wind or this or that and then you press the shot off and you're just like yep i should have listened yep exactly right well fortunately that <clears throat> voice that's in my head it, it sounds really sexy kind of like with you know a european accent so it's not it's not too bad for me to listen to it anymore <laughs> right <laughs> so jacob what um where where are you spending your time uh, more often these days? What's uh, what's a day in the life of Jacob look like? Well, you know the thing about it is, you know, rifles only has has been around for you know more than a couple of decades now. You know, doing training and stuff like that, and then uh, 
you know, we're, we're still, we still have that going. Uh, we still do a little bit of the online stuff um, when we have time to. Then, of course, we have our um, our pro shop that, you know, you can order stuff, you know, over the internet. And we don't have a whole lot of stuff in there. It's basically sling through backs, t-shirts, things like that. Just really kind of neat stuff. But, uh, you know, rifles only was taken up, you know, good 60, 70 hours a week. We didn't think that was enough. So two years ago, we started a distillery. And so we put the distillery right on site. And so leases being pulled in a lot of different directions. That's all exchange myself. And um, and so that's that's kind of where that's going. Uh, I'm real excited because I get to go up to the facility we have in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. And so I get to go up there and train during the summers. And uh, I like that. I'll be up there quite a bit this summer. We're doing you know quite a few courses. Some are some are public and some of them are private. But that's pretty much what it is. You know, you wake up, you know, pour through your coffee and get your day going and figure out what it's going to be. Is today handgun, carbine, or precision rifle? And then move on down the road. Make at the end of the day, make sure the mover's still working. <laughs> and, uh, just the normal <laughs> stuff that you have to do on a range. You know, go ahead, go to Walmart, get a case of white paint, do all of that kind of crap. You know, exactly. It's it's all the it's the little things you know that that you don't really think about or that people don't think about when when you're running a training company, especially when you have your own facility and you have you know 150 something pieces of steel out there that you have to maintain and make sure that you got targets for students to shoot, make sure that, you know, all of your facility is, is functioning as a well-oiled machine because all of that stuff matters with regard to the student's experience. Yeah. And, and I know, took it, to, took it to a little bit different level, you know, just like what you're talking about, the moving targets, you know, those are uh, of, of every guy who runs a place, the moving target is always the bane of your existence, you know, because they get hit all the time and they're fragile and they like to just quit. Finally, I just put two of them in so that, when one of them breaks, I can solve that later and I can just turn on the other one. We don't lose sure. any training time or anything like that. And it's just, that's, that's just part of it. You know, having those targets ready to go because they are going to break, you know, you need to be able to run out there, set another target, you know, with a minimal downtime because the people who come to see you, they're, they're there with their time. Yeah. They pay you money, but they can make more money, but they can't make more as time. And you don't want them sitting up there, you know, twiddling their thumbs while you're doing range maintenance. Exactly. And so we try to really, really keep, you know, the days, flowing like that and then that means what that means that means that you got a welding machine that means you have targets in reserve that means you got a couple of movers that means you've got you know everything set to where whenever that person comes in they're going to leave saying you know what i did what i wanted i got accomplished what i wanted to get accomplished i wasn't you know just you know moving targets or doing anything else you know how it is yeah it's it's a respect thing you know that's one things that like you know i take it really seriously when i have people i'm asking people to spend uh, they're very, very hard earned money with, with four days or three days or two days with, with me. And so that's a respect thing, man. You want to make sure that, 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 that they're getting everything that they wanted to get out of those, that time that they're paying to spend with you. And, you know, your, your piss poor planning is a poor reflection on, on what's yeah. happening. You know, if you, if you're not planning for that stuff, it's, it's important for the student's experience. So yeah. What, um, what are some things? What are some things that you have seen progress over the years? Well, first off, let's back up and, and just again, and this isn't to do anything other than than to give some perspective for people. What year did you run your very first practical rifle match? It was back in the nineties, man. It was back it was in the nineties. You know, for for like a national level. You know, we were doing little things. You know, with just you know a few people that we had. You know, six or seven people, but. The first time that, you know, I had, a, you know, more than 80 people come, that was back in the night. Right. And that was, you know, it was a, it was a blast, man. We had a great time. So, so 
talk to us about like what was the what was the clientele what was the competitor like at that point in time what was the competitor demographic then well we had a lot of police uh naturally uh down here we have a we have a really really high population of federal agents you know border patrol things like that we got a few of those guys in them. then it would be you know just the normal guys you know the big oil field people you know it's a big oil, oil part of the country so oil field people were into it um, it, it could have come from demographic. It could. It was like it is now. It can come from everywhere. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't limited. Um, as far as you know, the 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 things that we were. What, what's changed the most, I guess, because the, the people haven't. You know, now some of them are wearing jerseys now. And some of, you know, that that part of it. But you know, their normal background. It, it could come from anywhere. I get. I get an inordinate amount of pilots. Believe it or not. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, people that work for airlines and things like that. I, I think that's the ones I see the most, you know. Larger breaks with time off, so it's a lot easier for them to just to dedicate the time. Yeah, probably. And I don't know, being a pilot myself, I guess whenever you fly planes, there's some sort of subconscious connection between flying bullets and flying planes. It and sure so is, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Being, in the, being in the atmosphere, whether yeah. it be, you know, yourself or, you know, the, the – uh, something that you're controlling right so yeah absolutely yeah it's uh i i um we have to go flying sometime man i i i wish i flew more uh there was a point in time like 2007 ish 2008 that i was flying like constantly um but that has since fallen away and i miss it i really do miss it um i was actually able to get into a sport cub um with sterling beckland from era three we went to his place to look at a site survey and he has sport cub and i was talking to him i was like yeah you know i got my tailwheel certification in a sport cub he's like oh you have to fly my airplane i was like dude i have not been behind the stick in like a literally 10 years and he's like i'm not having any of it you get in you're gonna fly and so we took off, did a couple of touch and goes, and it was just, it was just so beautiful to get reconnected to that feeling and, and just flying in general is beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, you well, get the same. 182 right here at Rifles Only and I got a grab strip. Yeah, man, for sure. Like that's, that's, I, I love it. And, and that's kind of one of the reasons that I, that I took the skydiving so much is just because I, I like that sense of freedom and I love flying a wing. So that's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, so with going back to the shooting, the evolution of the sport, what are the things like, can you kind of, do you have like kind of like uh, benchmarks or that you've seen over the years that like, Hey, you know, you know, this band of time, we saw a lot of this. And then this band of time, we saw a lot of this and, and how that, that drove gear and how that drove ammunition and how that drove optics and all that other stuff. And how it, how it, how it drove, uh, drove technique. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the thing about it is I have that, I have that fundamentals video and people say, Oh, you need to update the fundamentals. I said, well, you know, the fundamentals been the same for a long, long time. You know, how we're applying it is a little bit different, but I'll see how I can update the video itself. Going back to Kalen's question on that, you know, the, there are definitely blocks of time, you know, then whenever I first started out, the state of the art system was a Remington 700 PSS and hunting style stock. It was a top loader. And if you had a Louisville Variax three, three and a half to 10 and MOA on top of it, you were in good shape, man. I mean, you were, you were, you were the man. I remember <laughs> those days. I, I yeah. really do remember those days. Yeah. And it was like the whole thing, you know, we didn't, all the deals are like, uh, now every gun, you know, comes for, with a slow pace. Everybody's got 20 minutes. Not us, man. We were, we were cutting up beer cans and putting shims in the very back of them. You know what I mean? Making our own, making our own slow bases because no one was doing it at the time. And right. so, 
that, you know, there for equipment and how things are going up there. I mean, look at what we have now. I mean, it's, uh, man, chassis that are multi-adjustable. You know, whenever you, you pick up one of these things, it's like putting on a, a very, very nicely tailored suit. I mean, they just fit you now. And back then they didn't. And, uh, and we didn't care. We shot them anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We didn't have muscle brakes on our 308 suppressors. Nobody was shooting suppressors. Um, that was one of the things that <clears throat> doing the military training back in the time, there was, you know, first military course that we did here, there wasn't a suppressor on the rifle at all. And then the suppressors started to come in and you still had some of the old guys with the new guys and the old guys hated the suppressors. And the new guys did love the suppressors. And then now you come in and every gun, every gun is suppressed and no one even talks about shooting unsuppressed. And that's on the military side of the house. You know, on the, on the uh, civilian side of the house, the muzzle brakes, you know, they got the technology for muzzle brakes now is just incredible compared to when it first started out. I mean, we would just go over there and drill some holes in the end of our barrel and hope for the best, you know, but now they come in and you know, directing the gas and it's, it really does work. Of course, calibers, you know, 308 was, you know, king. 308 and 300 Win Mag, and then now everybody shoot. I don't even know how many calibers are out there. Hell, I jumped off. I ordered up three barrels for my my Accuracy Gun International and six Creedmoor. Never been happier. I love that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's man. really it's, good. And so, with regard to that, like you know, the progression. How did the gear drive the technique? How did the gear change, or if it? Or did it change the way that you saw technique being applied? Now, technique, technique being applied is like, um, you know, it's, it's from one person to the next. You know, the thing about it is, it's like, I always tell my, my guys that are out here now, you know, I don't care what you do. I don't care where you put your foot or your other hand or, you know, how you're doing this. If it doesn't support the fundamentals, then me and you ain't got nothing to talk about. But everything that you do must support the fundamentals of marksmanship. And if it doesn't, then you need to rethink it. Because it's going to become real obvious real quick that you're also ran. You know what I mean? You've got, brother, the fundamentals been put in metal to meat since one of our ancestors picked up a rock and threw it at a rabbit. You know what I mean? And the yeah. fundamentals have been developed now to where if you're not, that's, I think that's why we're not seeing, like in the, on the competition side of the house, we're not seeing one shooter come up and just smoke everybody. Think about it. If we were going to a pistol match and Robbie Latham was there, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. What are we fighting for? Second place at best. Yep. You know what I mean? The competitive world doesn't have that person. You know what I mean? There's some people out there that are pretty good and have won quite a few matches, but not every single match they can go to. And so, and part of it is, I don't think that the fundamentals have been embraced the way that they should be embraced. Uh, and a lot of disinformation out there. One is, well, I can't be competitive if, I, if my trigger is any more than six ounces. Yeah. It's like, I got to have a six ounce trigger, otherwise I'm not competitive. All right. Uh, you're wrong on that and you're also unsafe on that and whoever told you that needs to be throat punched you know and it, you know here i'll give you my number it's three six one five two two four one six five throat punch them say that's from jacob i'm just the messenger send them my way <laughs> send them my way but you know the other things too you know the the the, the whole thing came up uh, i forget when it was about free recoil and you know, free recoil has a place. It's called bench rest. And you gotta be sixty-five years old or older to shoot in bench rest, which is looking pretty good to me these days, because it seems like you got a long day at the range. <laughs> but uh, but whenever we're doing field rifle, you I mean you you gotta drive the you have to drive the gun. Yeah, and it's just uh it's just a part of life. Oh well, you know, my gun is my gun is this and I've got weights on it and it weighs twenty pounds and I don't need to do it. I said, yeah, but just like the words of the famous Clint Smith, who told you you were gonna fight with your gun? 
It's a good point, man. And the Clintisms are awesome, by the way. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> well, a mentor, a mentor of mine. I've taken classes from him. I've worked at Thunder Ranch before, and I tell you what, it's. I tell everyone, man, Clint's going to retire one of these days, and if you don't go take a class with him just to sit and listen to him talk, you're missing out on life. Yeah, Clint's. Clint's one of those dudes, man. You're just like you can just get mesmerized and waste half your day on YouTube just listening to Clintisms. <laughs> yeah, have you, have you seen him? Have you seen him do it face to face? Yeah, I have. He's oh, he's yeah. come good. down to a couple of matches in Oregon. Uh, well, for him, he'd be coming up, but um, it's always a good time being able to hang out with him and, and Heidi and and listen to. Like he's such a nice guy, man. He'll talk to whoever. It doesn't matter. Like he'll just mm -hmm. talk to you and and he'll go right into it, and you're just like. Oh, so that's what Clint's all about. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, You're ready for the fire hose because he's going to give you some lessons in life. He didn't even know that he's doing it. You know what I mean? He's just being Clint. And then you, you think about what he says and says, man, I'm going to take that to the bank because, you know, this, he's seen so much, you know, former Marine Corps guy, you know, former SWAT cop, then Thunder Ranch in Texas for so long and now Thunder Ranch in Oregon for so long. I mean, his classes are always booking rightly so. I mean, the guy is just a phenomenal instructor. I don't care what weapon system it is. He's going to teach you something. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, a lot of people look at him like, ah, you know, he's getting kind of old and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like, no, man, like he's still getting it. And he's the difference with Clint is that he's not, he's not going to be the one that is going to just get stagnant and say, well, this is the way we've been doing it for 30 years. So, you know, this, this is, this is, this is it. It's like, well, some of that stuff, yeah, it's been doing it for 30 years because it's fundamentally sound. Yeah. But he's also the type the same type of dude that's just going to, that's going to embrace what's going to make you a better gunfighter. Exactly. And that's, and that's really important for people to understand, you know, and with regard to the precision shooting community, you know, you mentioned bench rest and it's like what these guys don't understand is that the guns that they're shooting now are literally bench rest capable rifles. Like you could go compete in a bench rest competition with the rifle that you're using in a practical shooting match. It weighs 25 pounds. It's a six millimeter. It's built by the same, it's built to the same standards as a bench rest rifle is. And what people don't understand is that like bench rest shooting is not a test of marksmanship. Bench rest shooting is a test of your system. Bench yep. rest shooting is a test of your rifle, how accurately it's built and how precise it is and the load that you develop. Now, granted, yep. if you're, you, know, you got to call wind of course, and that's, and that's a thing, but they have their own little world to do that and oh, yeah. their own method to do that. But, that's something that you guys out there as listeners need to understand. Like all these, these guns that are, that are tipping the scales of 22, 25 pounds. Those are bench rest guns, man. Yep. So like you throwing it on a bag on a prop, balancing the rifle perfectly and pinching the trigger to make it go bang is not shooting. I don't care who you are. It's not shooting. Certainly not field rifle. No, it's, it's not. No, but that's the thing, you know, there, there's, there's always going to be that. And, you know, we see now, we see now that trend in the competition world to go to heavier rifles, heavier, 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 heavier. And um, I, I think what we're trying to do or what is in their mind is that because we're turning it into a bench rest rifle, and they may not even consciously think this, but because we're turning it into a bench rest rifle, I can kind of lay off the fundamentals. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't have to be as precise on this. I can slap the trigger and get away with it. You know what I mean? I, and it's just like, okay. That's fine, but you know, and and it, you know, if you're if you're doing this just to play a game, that's fine. Of course, that's not the world where rifles only comes from. So we think we see things a little bit different. 
you know, want to, I want to take weight off the guy, you know what I mean? I want to get weight off of them where they have the rifle that's heavy enough to be robust, but not so heavy that it's going to end up with back problems just because they're carrying around a 25 pound rifle. And so it's, um, it, it's a, it's a different game, you know, and it's kind of like the, the guys that shoot across the course, you know, that are out there doing the, the stuff that they do. No, I mean, hats off to them. I mean, those guys, they will, they will give you a lesson in wind reading. You know I mean? We stand on their shoulders, literally. But uh, for field rifle, things are a little bit different. It's a little, the word, the word that comes to me that I know it's the wrong word, but it's a little sloppier. You know what I mean? It's a little grittier. It's a little dirtier, so to speak. And uh, it's just about getting the job done. I don't care if my gun shoots, you know, a, a, a group in the twos, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I can't shoot it in the twos. You know what I mean? If I get, if I get, a, we have guns that come through here that are, you know, solid one to one and a quarter inch guns. And you know what? They're going overseas and they're taking care of business like crazy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They don't, that kind of accuracy is not needed. I just yeah. need the damn thing to go bang when you pull the trigger. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, one thing real quick before we jump in, one, one thing that I wanted to uh, talk about since we're kind of on the subject is, is, um, you know, Jacob, you talked about how it's kind of the precision rifles, um, like sport has turned into a game, which, which it is. Right. And I think the problem that I see with, uh, Kalen and I's community, when I say that community, it's the, the cyber community is, um, guys, you know, because of the, our ego, we want to jump into the sport and automatically be competitive right without understanding hey we need to jump into the sport to be able to learn different things right i mean you don't have to have a six millimeter 25 pound rifle to you know um jump in and be competitive or to learn you just have to go out and and look for yourself and have a good perspective hey these are the things that i want to bring back and these are the things that can stay in the game you know yeah. what i mean but a lot of guys are are, are shopping at the door because they're like, you know what, these guys all they all they do is free recoil, and, and you know I'm, I'm the same way too. But it's like, I got to a point where it's like, well, I'm gonna play the game so I can beat these dudes at their game, right? Yeah. So you know, guess what I I built I built that breaking 24, 25 pound, um, you know six uh, six millimeter, uh, but I still drive my gun the same way I would drive my 308. Sure, you know what I mean. Well. First of all, to start off, you know, whenever you, you said right off, whenever you first started talking, you know, that this has turned into a game, yeah. right? Well, I don't, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that with any sort of negativity at all. I don't mind yeah. that it's turned into a game. You yep. know what I mean? I don't mind that it's turned into a game. I think that um, it, I like to play that game. You know what I mean? Yep. I like to compete, you know, and I like to see people compete. And But what we need to understand is that we're playing a game and it's not, it's not a tennis racket. You know what I mean? It's not a golf club, you know, it's a weapon and it has a history and you, that history and how they're employed, it's gotta be honored in some way. You know what I mean? We have to figure out some way to, to honor where it started, you know? And um, again, I, I mean, I know that there's, there's plenty of, of uh, games out there, you know, that started off as, as, you know, wartime tactics, you know what I mean? But um, this one, there's no question at all about it. I like that you put it in that perspective. Honor where it started. I think that's a good that's a good um, you know way to put that. So, yeah, Phil, I remember whenever you came down here for training. I don't think you were shaving then. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good times. Uh, I still, I, I, I still, uh, I still am, am uh, looking to do a podcast with Solowinski, who is down there with me. Um, he's also, he's still, he's still in, and and uh, you know, we want to talk about our experience at at Rifles Only. And again, I can't, 
if you guys are listening, you know, I talked to, to Michael Lilly about rifles only thinking my podcast seven or six. And yeah, I mean, this is definitely not the first time or the only time you'll hear about Jacob Bynum. I'm sure, you know, as, as the modern day sniper podcast continues, uh, we'll always talk about the legendary uh, Jacob Bynum just because of, you know, the root of fundamentals. I mean, there, you can't, you can't, like you said, you can't escape it. The fundamentals are the fundamentals. Um, you know, and if you, if you try, um, I'm going to quote Kaylin here, I'm going to push this. Do not try to learn the tips and tricks before you learn the trade itself. Yeah. Don't, oh, don't, I like be, that. don't be too busy trying to learn the tricks to the trade before you learn the trade itself. Exactly. I like that. That's a good way to put it. That's a very good way to put it. Cause, cause that's the thing. It's like, so what we, what we see, you know, and, and so like you were talking about trigger weights and, and, and the weight of the rifle, what that's really doing guys is just buying you forgiveness. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's just forgiveness, right? You're, if you've got a lightweight trigger and you've got a gun that weighs upwards of 20 pounds with a big old muzzle brake on it, you're shooting a little dinky six millimeter, um, BR, all of that that you're doing is buying forgiveness for you to be able to get away with stuff that you wouldn't be able to get away with if you transitioned to a rifle that weighed like 12 or 13 pounds and had a, a, a much more stout recoil. Like we saw that at our, at, uh, at our match when we had, um, remember we had the 30 nozzler fill and with the Revic and these are targets at 600 yards, 600, 600 to 680 yards. And everybody would get on that gun and they would shoot that, that, uh, what was it? 300 PRC. Is it, it was a 30 nozzler. It was a 30 nozzler. That's right. Um, 30 nozzler. And, and there's, ah, this gun's not zeroed proper, blah, blah, blah. And three times I walked over there and got behind the rifle and cleaned all four, I think it was four or five targets. And people are just like, uh, okay. All right. Well, I guess it's not, it's, it's, it, it is all about how you shoot the rifle. You can't get away with just laying behind that thing like you would a rifle that weighs 20 something pounds and just touch the trigger. It doesn't work that way. The rifle will, the rifle is not going to behave for you the way that you want it to. <laughs> no matter how much you cry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's interesting to see that, that trend. And, and I think it's, I think it's important to talk about that guys, you need to be able to transition from one to the other like a well-rounded rifleman, like we always talk about at the very beginning of the podcast. You need to be able to pick up anything and shoot it well. You know, if, if, if all you can do is shoot your, your, your match rifle really well, and if you pick up an AR or you pick up, you know, a lightweight hunting rifle and you can't shoot that to the level of proficiency that you can your match rifle, you have deficiencies and you need to, you need to continue to, to strive to understand when to shift gears and how to shift those gears from platform to platform to platform. Yep. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And those are the other things that, you know, we see that have changed so much, you know, over the years when you're talking about, you know, different stuff before, you know, like optics and, and I mean, optics now are crazy. I mean, it's like, it's insane. Where it, it's gone insane. Starting out with Leopold, you know, and the Schmidt vendor, then you got Collis and, you know, Bushnell comes up on the market and all of these different ones. And now there's a bunch of names out there that I don't even recognize. And uh, people are like, I'm from, they say they work really, really good. And then it kind of, it kind of came home to me because whenever my niece was, um, was six years old, we got her a cricket, a cricket 22. Mm -hmm. And so 
it came with one of those three quarter inch scopes on it. You know what I mean? You know, those yeah. old, old yeah. nasty metal ones that didn't work or anything else. So yeah, I go to Walmart and I'm going to find her another scope. And I find this floor power scope that in a plastic house and it's, it's 14 bucks. And so it's, it's, um, it's four power. It's in a plastic housing, but it's got a mill dot reticle in it. So out of curiosity, I just threw it up. It had adjustments too. It adjusted in mills. And I threw it up on a gun and I checked the mill dots and they were right. And then I did a ladder <laughs> test on it and it was right. And I was like, no way, no way. <laughs> so now they have, they have guns for your airsoft or scopes for your airsoft that are actually performing the way they would on a, on a $6,000 rifle. I mean, it's just yeah. insane. It, it's hard to go wrong now. We're seeing a lot of really good stuff coming out there with the optics side of the house. Ammunition side of the house, obviously. I mean, back in the day, we had to really worry about temperature sensitivity and things like that. Not worry about it, but just know about it. Mm -hmm. Like now we don't. I mean, it's they're pretty stable. So yeah. we were making well, a lot of progress in this. Yeah, I actually just got hit up by somebody not too long ago about ammunition, or they asked us to do um, an episode on the podcast talking about like ammo load development. Um, what is really important when it comes to that stuff? And now you got it's. It seems like everybody nowadays, you know, that's cruising the internet. It's like if you don't have, if you don't have this type of gear you're not going to be able to achieve the level of consistency that you need in order to be competitive. And I, and it's like one of those things that I vehemently disagree with so much. And Phil, you can echo this man. Like you can, you can go now with factory Hornady ammunition and have single digit standard deviations. It's I've been to a, I've been to a handful of two day national level matches with uh, factory ammo, six, five Creedmoor and place in the top five. Yeah. It's not, yeah. that's not holding you back. It's not no, absolutely off. not. Uh, the the box demo that you're getting now is is good. Now federal premium has always been really good. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's the you know like the for 308 and the 165 or 168 and the 175. But now you know that Hornady's doing really good work. Crime's doing really good work. I mean it's 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 hard to find ammo that won't shoot. Plus we have we have access to some of the the European ammos now that is is good as well. I mean mm -hmm. I, I don't. I, and the the thing about it is, is the reloading. Everything that's going on with the reloading nowadays. It seems to me like it now, you know, exactly like what Kalen was saying, you know, you've got to have this equipment for reloading. you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to have this. It's kind of like it's become its own sport, so to speak. Like how can we have a reloading competition at a rifle map? Because to me, you're either going to get really, really good at one or really, really good at the other. But there's only 24 hours in the day and you got to sleep. So there's no way to get really, really good at both. <laughs> right. it's, uh, it's like, how are we going to? How are we going to come up with a stage at a competition that has to do with reloading? I mean, because yeah. getting to that point now, I mean, you're, you're, spending, you're spending more on your reloading gear than you are your rifle and scope. Man, it's, it's, it's funny, man. Students ask me all the time. They're like, so what do you do with like reloading and stuff? Like, are you and I'm like, I do as little as possible. I'm getting yep. to the point now where it's like, you know, time is my most valuable asset. It's yes. the most valuable asset. And I look at it and I'm like, you know what, man, would I rather spend two hours at the reloading bench at the end of a day that I already did 11, 10, 10, 11, 12 hours on, or do I want to spend that time with my family and just pay for factory ammo? Yeah. It's a no brainer. The answer is super easy guys. It's, and, and guess what? It's, it's, you're, you're not, um, you're not saving much money 
after yeah. you know in terms of well you're not saving any whenever you whenever it comes up to what is your time worth exactly like what you were just talking about you know your kids are going to get more out of spending time with you than, than you're ever going to save on the reloading bench and then you know the other side of that too is you know the the with with reloading i understand a lot of people like it because it's it's relaxing to them you know and it's a it's something that's kind of a zen type thing and i get that i get that but um I just think you either need to be a reloader or a shooter, one or the other, yeah, <laughs> because like, you're never going to excel at both of them. You know, I got like I'm in I'm in my room right now. Like I have a Dylan, and I can crank out you know 200 rounds in an hour, and and that's cool. Like that that's fine. That works just fine for me. Um, but it's like I am not going to the nth degree that that everybody else is. Hey, I got to go get a charging cable for my uh, for my deal. Y'all stand by, okay? Yeah. Are no you? Comment. Yeah. Talk talk with Phil for a second. He seems low now. <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm absorbing as much as i can yeah no it's it's good stuff man and and having people having people like this on the podcast and sh and and just having diversity is is just really important yeah and and uh it what it is it's it's again perspective of you know um that there's there's people out there that I mean we're all thinking the same thing, right? In, in regards to being a rifleman, and that's why, you know, the uh, when I went on podcast with Frank, I don't know a couple months ago, I wanted to get away from the term of being called a precision rifle shooter, right? right. Um, because you know I, I didn't want to be affiliated with being that shooter that all he does is like you said, throw up a twenty five pound bag or a twenty five pound rifle on a bag, balance it. And then free recoil. Like mm -hmm. that's what I think of now when I think of a PRS shooter, yeah. you know, not, not, not just the PRS shooter, but a precision rifle shooter. So I was like, you know, I want to be known as a precision rifleman so I can take any precision rifle and run it the same exact way in any comp and still be, you know, pretty damn good with it. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I think that's where, you know, um, the sport has like gotten away with, you know, Again, you see the guys that are breaking the bank to again be competitive and stuff like that. Um, and how many of those guys have actually attended a course? You know, it's like they would go rather go drop um, four thousand dollars on a new rifle because they think that their system is holding back before they they drop three thousand dollars on a on a two to three day class. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's really that, important. That's it's, I'm back, guys. You know, honest criticism of your technique and you know fundamentals. Right. Cause, cause guys like, like Jacob's talking about, man, like when we started this game, it was it, like my very first precision rifle was a Remington 700 police sniper special and an HS precision stock with a, with a loophole three and a half top to 10 loader. top loader. I mean, I can still, I can still shoot two and load two just as fast, man. Like I, and I still practice it. I got a top loader here because there's a lot of classes that I teach with law enforcement officers that still have top loaders. Yeah, you got to teach them how to run them effectively. Um, but I think going to what, what Phil was talking about too, you know, the thing about we just finished up the brawl out here, and um, you know, so but sponsors are always fantastic. I got my first Accuracy International in 1997. It's a gun I still shoot now. It's got the 26 barrel on it. You know, it's still pumping right along. But you know, the Accuracy International, as well as Mile High Shooting, donated a, a gift certificate. You know, for a for a, a new rifle, a new AT. Nice. And so said, hey, what we're going to do, we're going to go and um, give this to the first place. They called. They said, we don't care what you do with it. And so I thought, well, I'll find out who's got the worst gear. 
you know what I mean? And I'll do that. So I've done that before. Yeah, man. man I had to search all day. <laughs> <laughs> that was less than $2,000 scope and rifle combo. I mean, I looked right. at it. There's, there's six grand. Uh, there's eight grand. Oh, that's one of those PSR. That's a 19 grand rifle. Uh, back to the, you know, all this other stuff. It's like this one guy who was shooting this cheaper gun was doing really, really good with it. And uh, he loved it. I mean, I talked to him about it before I, you know, broke the news to him that he had to take a new new gun home. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, he loved it. He was out just, you know, going at it. It's like, I mean, I, I go to go into Walmart and get a, a factory second Savage and that thing shoot better than I do. That's, that's the stuff, man. Like, um, like Scott, like Scott shooting Savage this year, people were all like, what are you doing, man? And it's like, dude, they're going to shoot just fine. Like, oh, yeah. it's gonna shoot just fine. It's definitely I, not holding Scott back. I think he placed in. The, I think he placed in the top forty too in that match. The best in the, uh, Texas where I shot with him. Like, and you know, the other one hundred and thirty competitors. I'm pretty sure sixty percent of those guys had a custom built rifle. So oh, I mean, yeah, it just yeah. goes to show. So I got nothing against the custom built rifles. You know, that's not. No, I, I know. I know. I don't know. Either. I, I, I think <laughs> what we're trying to get a point that what point we're trying to get across is, is like, guys, it's not, it's not the gear that's holding you back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 100%. Because I mean, we all run custom built rifles. You know, I've got a, a, a slew of them. But the, the, what we're trying to get across is your ego tells you that when you, when you start pulling shots, the, the instant, most shooters I've seen, since they start pulling shots, what do you think the very first thing to blame is? Their, 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 their gear and equipment. Yep. For yep. me, anytime I pull a shot, I, I always send two in the same exact spot in the dirt because I always question myself first, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And that's how it usually goes. It's like, you know, it's like I'm in this position. And like you said, it's like, I shouldn't be breaking this shot. I'm going I'm to torch it off anyways. <laughs> and it goes. And it goes. And it bites you. Yeah, it bites me. And then I'm like, I was like, okay, that was definitely me. You know, and then I'll send it in the same spot or whatever the case may be. But I always question myself first before I ever question my rifle. Yeah, I think you're good on that. You know, whenever if every class, every single class I did, I said it twice this past week, and I'm going to say it again tomorrow morning. A long time ago, when I started out with this, I went into my wife's makeup case, and I took out her compact, and I ripped the mirror out of it, and I put it in my back pocket. And to this day, every time something goes wrong with my shooting, I pull that mirror out and I say, hey, what's the problem? And it's staring right at me. <laughs> that's a great, that's awesome, man. <laughs> that's so awesome. Because it's the freaking truth. It's, yeah, man, it is. You know, it it's is. like, so I, I, I walked around at a shooting match, not like, it's actually the first match I shot with Phil. Um, and I walked by somebody that said that they were chasing dope, but they hit like 95% of the targets. And like, I don't know why, but I'm chasing dope. And I'm just like, dude, you don't, I mean, you're, you're a fantastic shooter, but you just don't get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, you're not chasing dope. If you're hitting 95% of the goddamn targets, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's that yeah, that's true. So that match might be a little easy too. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what's, what do you got going on, Jacob? What's, what's on your schedule? Like what's, what can we expect from rifles only in 2020? And is there anything, anything new going on? What's up? Oh uh, yeah. We're doing the same things. We're getting ready to, um, we're already doing private instruction in New Hampshire. And, uh, so if someone's up in the, in the Northeast like that and they want to get some shooting and now it's not really a good time of the year because they're still snowed under and it's like uh, cold as hell, but we got a place that's getting ready to open up in New Hampshire. 
And so when that's, that's uh, and again, like I said, we're already doing private instruction. We're probably already doing full-blown classes uh, in the spring of 2021 up there. Uh, we still got it going at uh, Colorado up north in uh, Fort Collins, not very far from the Wyoming border. And by the way, that, that one deputy that got bit by the mountain lion, did y'all see that? What? Yeah, what? that deputy up in Colorado, deputy got bit by a mountain lion. They finally had to shoot the mountain lion. Really? No. Did you hear about that news? I did not see that. Yeah, yeah look it up. Well, and there, so that's like 10 minutes from where we train. And then the one guy last year who uh, actually strangled the mountain lion, do you all remember that one? I do remember that, yeah. Hiker, that was about two minutes from where we train. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're up, we're up in the, in, you know, it's a pretty good, you know, wildlife. And you get to see a lot of stuff up there at that place. You have to kind of shoot the, the mule deer off the, off the rock so that we can go up there and, and shoot off of them. So mm-hmm. that's still going to be going on. Um, as far as for 2020, that's, that's about, you know, it. you know, check it out. We're going to be doing a course in Colorado for field craft and there's going to be several of those field craft courses going on that we're going to schedule for the fall and the winter down here in South Texas, because that's our best time to train. And we're kind of, um, kind of need to look back on this one a little bit too. You know, what were the matches like? A long time ago you know what was going on and there was some things that we could do in the matches a long time ago was you know the target detection you know the keep in memory games you know the the things like that that are, are uh, hide building you know a little bit of you know cam and concealment and those things we just don't do them anymore and that's part of the field craft course you get to learn like the back side of it you go to field craft course and you bring a box of 20 you're probably going to go home with 10 rounds you know because it's not a shooting course right. it's a uh, land nav target detection camouflage kim game you know, sketching, being able to see what you see and, and uh, you know, come back and tell somebody else about it. More snacking skills. You guys are both familiar with that. Yeah. And th- that's the thing. It's uh, somebody said something. Um, I mentioned it at a match. Like if something went down, you know, we'd have, you know, a hundred snipers or something. And he kind of like referenced the crowd of the, of the shooters. And I looked at him and I was like, you are flat wrong. Because <laughs> the, the, like, being a sniper is about so much more shooting is only 10% of what you do. You think maybe it's that much? Less. Maybe even less, you know, it just depends on the type of conflict depends on your, on your mission. Um, but everything else, I, I just, I made a statement once I said, you know, shooting is only 10% of what snipers do, but when shooting is required, it becomes a hundred percent of your purpose. And, but, and, and you're shifting those gears constantly when when you're an operational sniper those gears are constantly getting you're you're moving into the shooting aspect of it then you're moving out of that into other things um you know coordinating supporting arms deconflicting with you know left and right troop movements and making sure that you're staying on your on on your piece of the checkerboard so to speak and there's just so much to do as a sniper and, and you actually have to get to where you're going or where you're supposed to be at the appropriate time <laughs> so that you can actually do your job. So there's so many more skills to it and the field craft stuff. It's, it's good because, you know, I, I even get people asking about field craft stuff all the time. And, you know, even on the law enforcement sniper side of the house, you know, you expose those guys to like a legitimate stock lane and, they just, it's almost like they don't understand what to do. And, and I remember these days of, of, you know, command structures coming in and trying to knock out stalking from curricula. And what they don't understand is that, you know, they'd always come out and say, well, it's not representative of the current combat environment that we are working in. 
this green side stuff, this is like old school stuff. This is like Cold War era days. And you look at them and you and you try to explain, I used to try to explain that what this skill is teaching is not just green side stuff. It's teaching everything from discipline, attention to detail, all of the things that are going to keep you alive, all of the things that are going to keep you uh, in the present, in the now, completely and constantly aware of your surroundings. And those skills are going to transition from that green side environment to anything that you do as a sniper. It's not just about being able to hide in the weeds and paint your face and stuff vegetation in your ghillie suit. It's about, it's, it's an exercise that, that encompasses your ability to be constantly aware. Wouldn't you say yeah, so, you Phil? Can, you can yeah, stop yeah. in the urban area too. You know what I mean? You just got to yeah. know how to do it. The, this goes back to, you know, putting mindfulness behind the rifle, you know, the, I, I can't even stress enough about the mental side of, you know, especially land nav, being alone and unafraid by yourself with a map and a compass, right? When, when you have no terrain features, right? Especially if you're, you're operating in maybe somewhere like South Texas, no terrain features, right? Mm -hmm. In Pendleton, it's easy because you've got big hills and you, you know, uh, terrain, terrain reference, terrain associate. But, you know, when you're, you know, when you're doing land nav on the East Coast, uh, when I was uh, out in Quantico doing some land nav for advanced course, oh my God, I yeah, freaking, hard. it's, it's tough, right? It's I mean, hard. you're three or four hours into it and you're like, I don't know where the F I'm at, right? You can't turn on your GPS and, and it, it, it's a, it's a mental check of your ability to get through it. Right. Yeah. Um, because again, you could have the perfect trigger press in the world. You could have, you know, the best rifle system in the world, but if you can't get to your destination or where you need to shoot someone, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it you know yeah, you, you're, you're uh you're missions, pretty much yep you're, missions you're, failed. absolutely so yeah we should bring some of that back i i agree i absolutely agree there's you know we had i remember uh steve heisman was running the oregon sniper challenge for a while and that incorporated it was largely a shooting competition but he did incorporate a little bit of stalking and stuff and and it's one of those things jacob you know more than anybody man like logistically that is incredibly difficult to do, especially when you've got a field of, you know, 130 people yep. you're trying to run them through that stuff. It turns into kind of like that Disneyland ride thing where it's like you stand around for an hour for, you know, three minutes of fun type thing. Yeah. And it's hard to do it effectively. Yo, I get you. I get you. Well, I'll tell you what I have cooking for 2021. What do you got? All right uh let's do a major major match and a we'll major do it match a major match okay uh, i've been working on this for a few months now and what i wanted to do was come up with something that was going to test the marksmanship land nav target detection kim's games range estimation and situational awareness and i thought well how can i do that this will be really good this will be a long weekend so well it's going to take longer than a long weekend because the thing about it is I could do all of these things right here at rifles only, but that's not really a test. I want to do it here. I want to do it in the desert and I want to do it in the mountains. And I want this thing to last a while. So I've secured some locations in the Western United States. We're at six right now, seven right now. And I've talked to all the people and kind of told them what I wanted to do. I have brought it up to, to date. I've brought it up to 14 people. All of them are in. Uh, the match will start September 1st, 2021 at Rifles Only. 
And from there, when you're done with your tasks here, you're gonna be given a page and it's gonna tell you where you gotta be next. And it's gonna be a long way away. The furthest you're gonna get away from Texas is going to be in Idaho. And then you will come back through Colorado. You will have already visited Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona, and it'll end 23 days later at Rifles Only. At each of these different places, you might be tested on one or more of the skills that I just laid out. But it's going to be epic. That sounds pretty. Aw- it sounds like it sounds like uh, it sounds like a sniper's cannonball run. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's the amazing race with guns. There you go. All right. That I man, I think that's amazing. So what what else do you like do you have a title for it? Do you Yeah. I'm gonna call it Assassin's Way. Assassin's and it's kind of one of those things to where, all right, you're you're given this task. Well, this task could be in you know, on this property, in this town, in a different town, in this state, in a different state, in a different town. And so once you're given those things, and whenever we get closer, and we've already got, I'm only going to take 45 people for it. And whenever we get closer to that, what we'll do is we'll end up, um, we'll end up going to, well, in other words, if there's one place that there's going to need to be ammo sent to it, because they're going to be shooting quite a bit of ammo, they'll be given an address to send ammo to. And so, and we'll, of course, I've got most of this already sorted out, but it's not completely sorted out. So I'm still working on it. So, and I think, getting ready to lose y'all man i plugged in but it says that i'm charging but i only got like three percent left uh so here's the deal if you want to play the price to play is twenty five thousand dollars twenty five thousand dollars yes it is but if you win it you get paid a half a million wow that's real money right there yeah yeah, it's it's life changing money. But and, uh, so, so, like you you had t- you had said before, Jacob, being a good shooter is not enough to show up to this match and think that you're still going to win. So you could have, you know, one hundred percent hit uh, at this at your your uh, assassin's way. Is that what you call yeah, it? Assassin's way, and you still uh, might win because and you still might win. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And I don't think the guy with the highest score is going to win. Uh, the, the, the thing about it is I think that the other, the other stuff is going to – or the highest score in marksmanship is going to win. I think that there's so many other aspects that are going to be – and we have, we have a cadre on here that consists of um, uh, former special operations guys, everything else. This is going to be extremely, extremely fair, and the uh, cadre has been extremely well vetted to do this. Um, I've kept it under my hat, but like I said, 14 people are already in. So I have a feeling we're going to end up with a waiting list on this thing. So there's 14 people that are already in with a $25,000 entry fee and Mm -hmm. a payout of a $500,000 pot. You got it. You got it. That is, that's impressive. And to tell you the truth, man, with 45 people, um, uh, as the, as the limit, you guys better get on this. I mean, you better get on it because it's going to fill up. I, I, I can guarantee you that it's going to fill up. Uh, so that too, that we're talking about this, you know, like I said, I want to get some of this stuff in before my, my, uh, my, my device dies here. But um, I know that like, check out, check out the land nav courses that, or the uh, field craft courses that we're doing in Colorado. We're going to do another one. I know Kaylin, you're going to do some uh, this late summer and, and fall too, to help support this. So if you don't feel like that, 
you kind of have the skill set to do this, we're going to be offering some clinics to get you through this to where if you want to do it. This is going to be one of those things that you'll be able to look back and say, hey, I competed in Assassin's Way. And that's the bragging rights on that are just going to be pro. That's that's very true too. I mean, just to be able to say, "Hey, I competed in this," and and I mean, what kind? Of, what an adventure, right? I mean, yep. five states. Well, we're at six, we're at seven now. Seven, and, um, seven states. I want to add one more. I'm waiting to hear back from one person. I want to add one more stop. Seven and twenty three days. Twenty three days, correct. Wow. <clears throat> and so, what it's going to be? You're going to be responsible for your own self, getting yourself to these places. I've been over my computer on, you know, go, using maps to find out how long it takes to get from this place to this place. You'll have time to rest. I don't want anybody driving off the road, and you'll have time to drive to the different locations. But you will not have time to go and sightsee. You're going to need to get there really quick because you will have a start time at your next next task site. You know, <clears throat> this is a, this is very similar in in concept to you know what Competition Dynamics was doing with the Sniper Adventure Challenge, um, in, in they like incorporating an adventure race uh, theme into um, uh, basically a match that encompasses all the field skills. Uh, I, when I competed in it um, several years ago, that was one of the things that I loved about it is that it was so diverse and it was it, you were on your own and you had to make decisions and that was uh that was a lot of fun to do and, and phil that's something that you know you and i need to you and I, I i need some redemption on that one too so i think we should i think we should make a plan to do that and uh crush some souls on that one eh well cool and if other guys got questions after they hear the podcast give me a ring my number is 361-522-4165 or you can reach me at jacob at riflesonly.com and so uh, I'm going to start taking registrations as soon as you guys publish this. Fantastic. Well, this is uh, this is going to go out here very very quickly, and and um, you know we're 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 humbled and and honored that you chose our podcast to uh, to be the release for this epic adventure that's coming in 2021. This is this is going to be pretty cool, man. Yeah, it is. It is the the. Uh, I just thought you know we need to we need to do that, but we need to do something that you know, does more than just that test marksmanship. You know, I, I think by doing it in this way, I mean, just think about it, just, just getting from place to place. I don't care how you get there, planes, trains, automobiles, it doesn't matter to me. You know, you're going to have time between these places to drive it. But like I said, at the speed limit and with some rest, but there's not going to be any time to, to goof off. I think one of the, or two of the guys that are already in, they already, they, they are, are private pilots. So I don't know if they're planning on driving it or taking aircraft or whatever, but Again, um, the skill, much like the matches down here, rifles only. They're the the skill sets that you're going to be doing. They they're not there to trip you up or to make you look stupid. Or there will always be an answer, and it will be a simple answer. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a matter of you know being able to think your way through this. But twenty twenty three days for half a million dollar payoff. I said this thing has to be this thing has to be life changing. It has to be something that's really really good. And I think Assassin's Way is a way to do it. It's that's. I'm kind of, I'm lost. I'm, I'm lost for words, man. I'm, I'm super excited to see what, what it is that you come up with and, and, you know, what it is the tasks lists are and what the challenges are. And I think it's going to be, I think it's definitely going to be something. I think it's something that the community needs. Like what, what was your inspiration for this? Like, what did you, what was like, you know what, man, we're just going to do this. Where did that come from? I think we lost them. I think we lost Jacob. What do you think, man? What do you think about all this? 
dude, I'm thinking about how um, I can start training for it. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got 25k if, if, laying if, around. <laughs> if, yeah, right. If I if I wanted to do this, that's the very first thing, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, one thing that, and it's so funny that he just he just talked about this now, doing something like this because, like, you know, just recently I've been like on this, you know, stay in shape you know, not my, only for my own benefit, but, you know, like we talked about, I do want to start getting back into team competitions and, yep. you know, uh, those, uh, those, those other, uh, comps where, you know, it's, it's testing more than our ability to shoot, right. Or testing our ability to understand field craft to, uh, critical thinking and, and whatnot. Um, and the, you know, a good way to start is making sure that your physical fitness levels are, you know, up there. Right. Um, and, and that's one thing that I've gotten hit a lot, along a lot of QAs with is, Hey, uh, are you guys going to ever talk about fitness and stuff like that? I was like, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I got back in. Oh, nice. You got well, back in right on. Yeah. <laughs> it actually was, it was perfect segue. Cause like now we're, we're talking about PT and stuff and like actually what it's going to take to train for an event like this. Yeah. So you, you had left and then, and, and, uh, Kaylin asked, well, what do you think about it, Phil? I was like, well, I'm already thinking about how I, if I were to enter this competition, how, how I would start training for it. What would be the start? Well, the very first start was, would be physically training because, you know, I, I'm assuming that it's going to be a lot of physical exhaustion, right? So, you know, always training phys- physically and then now working on land navigation, um, going back to the, uh, you know, route of um, first aid, because I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of uh, first aid you know, uh, certain skills that are still ap- applicable um, that a sniper needs to have, you know, not only in the service, but outside, because I mean, life-saving skills are life-saving skills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, one, one of the things that's overlooked, I, I, if I think I was with uh, Tom Fuller when he said this, he said, um, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about is if we have the means of putting a hole in something we should have a means of covering up that hole yeah yeah agreed agreed yeah that and on on you know, on the training for it it'd be like one of those things what do they say like one of the rules of zombie land cardio you know yeah so, <laughs> i'm so, glad you watched that movie <laughs> yeah so we'll have that you know and it's going to be the land nav will be the you know the most you know tiring portion of it you know obviously because uh where we have picked out for land nav um like you, you were talking about earlier, land I, it'll be kind of it'll be kind of cruel for me to do the land nav down here. So actually doing it in the mountains. Uh, but as you know, the mountains doing land nav while it's while it's easier That's on your map, cruel enough, it gets a little bit brutal. Oh, it's because, a good check. Well, it's it, what that boils down to, guys. For you, for you guys that are listening, and you're like, man, I think I might want to start training for that. That sounds like that sounds pretty good. The land navigation alone is probably the biggest skill. Um, obviously shooting is one of those things, but we are, you know, we, we just, in our, in our recent podcast, we talked about unconscious competence and the four phases of, of learning. Right. And so as an example, I spend a lot of time in the mountains. I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, backcountry hunting. I spend a lot of times, um, you know, Alpine stuff, uh, not as much as I'd like to, of course, but all of that stuff stems around being comfortable, uh, understanding where you are in a vast area of wilderness and, and being comfortable with the fact that, Hey, I am, I am solely relying on myself 
to negotiate the onslaught of hazard. And my decision-making process is going to dictate my experience. And in the mountains, that comes from everything from understanding what the weather's going to do, understanding what kind of equipment that you need through experience. And that's why we like the backcountry hunting package is so important for, for us anyways, in terms of teaching skills. And, you know, for those of you guys that are out there that, that might want to start training for this, we do have backcountry hunter courses this year. That would be a fantastic fit to understanding uh, land navigation, all of your equipment selection. What is it, what is it really like to move with that kind of gear on your back for an extended duration? Um, that, that's, that's a great course to get you started with training for something like this. Um, but it's it's intimidating it's really intimidating to look to stand at the trailhead and look out at the vastness that's in front of you and say all right man i am willfully putting myself into that environment and i'm going to rely on nothing but my skills to help me get through that and for a lot of people they just turn right around and they're like no that's not for me you got to look at it and say how do we eat an elephant that's yeah that's very true one bite at a time exactly right one bite at a time yeah land nav is not it's not so don't let don't let the don't let caitlin scare you too much on that land nav. you get I've never heard in. that I've, I've never heard that before how do you eat an elephant one bite at oh, a that's time first, yeah <laughs> yeah this is one bite at a time man, get it done. Yeah, man. I, i'm over the main here. thing is what you're saying is hey just get started you know what i mean yeah get started that elephant's not going to eat himself get going it's it's one of the things too guys like uh from you know we also talked about mindset and things like <clears throat> doing the land navigation stuff <clears throat> especially like in the mountains and um it's uh it's a mental game and it's all about endurance and being able to stay in that positive mental space um and that's really like that's really a, uh, something that I think a lot of people uh, don't truly grasp is that a lot of the success for this stuff is staying in a positive mental space while you're enduring, you know, suffering. And that's what it sounds like a lot of this is going to be, but not to the point where you're like, you want to, you're like regretting your decision of, of course, but it sounds like it's going to be a, a significant challenge. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a challenge, but it will definitely be doable. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, if someone's unsure on that, you know, come, come and do one of the field craft courses, do the mountain hunter course that you had, Caitlin, which I want to take really bad. Um, it's a blast. but do, do that. And, uh, and just understand that, you know, it's, it's a lot like everything else. Land nav also has its fundamentals, you know what I mean? And as long as you're applying them, you'll be fine. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's land navigation is one of those things. It's funny because, um, a lot of students ask like, I don't carry a GPS into the mountains. I carry a spot tracker, um, not a, uh, I'm sorry, a Garmin inReach now. That's really just for my own safety. And I didn't start carrying that until just this last year when my wife was like, hey, you know, I, I, I really need you to stop carrying that thing because it's just a, you know, a little layer of, of protection there. But like, I don't even bring a GPS, man. I carry a map and a compass. That's it. And, and I'm 100% comfortable doing that. And people are always, they're like, are you kidding me? You don't need to take a GPS. Like, no, I, I have everything that I need right here in the map. And, and those are just skills that like we got hammered on land nav as, as young Padawans. And now I understand why it's, it's confidence. And that's really what it, what it boils down to. Yeah. We just did one. We did one here 
uh, private course for land nav. And uh, we did it on at Rifles Only and another ranch that was about, it's about 30 miles south of here. And then on another ranch that had uh, some terrain features. And that was about, I guess it's about an hour and a half north. Um, but at any rate, we started them out on, on, on the pool table. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then whenever they could work on the pool table, by the time they got up there to where they actually had terrain features, it was the exact same mindset that you have about it, Caitlin. They were completely confident. You know, yeah. it wasn't anything to it. It only took four days. I mean, it was... And as soon as you as soon as you start seeing all the train features out there, you're like, man, I got this. this is no yeah, I'm gonna this. I'm gonna start running from point to point um, because it's a different mindset, it's a different mentality. Um, yep. You know, but then in the in the mountains, like route selection becomes everything. You can yep. you can to- you can screw yourself in no time flat with improper route selection. Yeah, and that's gonna that's gonna be part of it too. But I don't know. I'm real excited about doing this, and it's. Things like everyone that I've explained it to, they're real excited as well. I mean, it's like a, a breath of fresh air. You know, they want to they want to do this and they want to test themselves on this. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's a little bit expensive to play, but at the end of the day, just do it better than everybody else. Keep a cool head and have that confidence. That's the person that's going to win. The one who has the confidence in these skill sets. They don't have to be the best shooter. They don't have to be the la- best land nav guy, but just have the confidence all the way through it, and that's who's going to win. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm super excited about this and um, I'm, I'm super, super excited about being a part of it. And thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of it. I, I'm really excited about being a, being a, a member on the team. And um, I think it's going to be interesting. To, and that's one of the reasons that I like the, like teaching the backcountry course is because you witness people go through their, their trials and tribulations. And that's, and that's a real, I think that's going to be a big part of this event, Jacob, is just to be able to witness the transformation of people as they go through this. Yeah. And also the, also on these clinics, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get the skill sets. I mean, the, don't, don't worry about that. Just have confidence in yourself and, and you'll do it. You'll do fine. It's not a, it's not, like I say, it's not designed to make you fail. That's it's not designed that way. It's designed to be doable and for you to finish. And it's like I say, whoever has the most confidence has the best economy of motion between, between, um, you know, skill set sites. And whenever they get there, they have economy of motion whenever they're doing their skill sets and just have the confidence. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be something that we're trying to that we're trying to make people fail out of. That's not it. You know what I mean? We want you to finish. We want you to finish, and that's that's where it comes from. So, it, if if you had a guy ask you, Jacob, how to start training for this, what would you like? What can you give? Can you give a few points as to like what your suggestions would be to start training for this, or how somebody would evaluate their skills to to say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm ready for this, or how, how would you get them to understand, you know, what this is going to be all about? Well, think about, you know, use your brain. You know, this is the, it's the, it's the strongest mind that's going to do it. Think about whenever you learned how to handle a Kim's game. You know what I mean? It was, it was just something that you go and you, the first time you do it, it's overwhelming. Even if it's just stuff on a table, you know what I mean? It, it's overwhelming. Then you start to come up with these techniques on how to do it. I'm start stacking these things in my mind. You know what I mean? And it looks like this. It looks like that. Um, it, then as as you go on and you get confidence with it, keep doing it. It's like the the land nav course that we did. And again, it was about a month ago. I mean, every person who was in that course has called and said, "Hey, man, I've got my map of this place. I've been out practicing." And said, "Good." And and you can hear their confidence getting in their voice when they left the course. They were pretty confident. I mean, no question. But you know, it's like target detection. You know, it's like you don't go up there with a pair of binoculars and just start, you know, scanning right to left. 
you take it in small bits. You know what I mean? You take it in small bits and you go over there and you look, okay, what, 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 what is a target indicator? Okay. Well, we, there, that color is a little bit off. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of movement there that I can't explain. Um, there's, there's a shine there that I only see it every now and then, but there's a little shine, you know, you know, the drill. I mean, yeah. it's just a matter of taking things in small bites. Um, and, and they'll do fine. Do the, do the field craft course, do, do your mountain course. You know what I mean? And I know that you'll probably do something that's going to be, well, mm -hmm. I'm asking yeah. you now do something specific to this, you know, that has the, you know, the situational awareness on it, then range estimation. Let, let's do that and leave the lasers at home, you know? And, um, and again, I'm not going to give you a, you know, a one MOA target at, um, you know, 1400 yards and you have to, to range. I mean, to it's going to be doable, yeah. <laughs> you know, mill it. It's going to be doable. You know, the, the stuff that you're going to be doing is going to be, you know, for range estimation with the mill dots. It's, how did I say this? Mill dot range estimation is one of those things where the rifle gods give you the finger because, <laughs> you know, you can get really good at it inside 500 yards exactly where you don't need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But beyond 500 yards, you're looking through mirage. You're looking through this atmospheric condition. So it gets a little bit iffy. And where do you need it is really beyond 500 yards. And yeah. so, Again, it's not going to be it's not going to be anything that's going to be undoable. But like everything else, one bite at a time. Whenever you start up your land nav, there's going to be some different legs on it. You know what I mean? The, what do we got to do? We got to get to our first leg. And what is Jacob going to go out there and you know dig a hole and, and you know uh, bury something in there where you have to find it on a ten digit grid? No, it's going to eights will be fine, and <laughs> eights will be fine. And whatever, whenever you get to that point, there's going to be a nice big red box that you have to go and grab an item and put it in your pack and bring it back. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's not mm -hmm. going to be to where, you know, you need to carry a metal detector with you to find out what Jacob buried that you had to find on a 10-digit right. grid. You know, it's not it's not going to be like that. It's it's going to be doable. Yeah, that's the thing, uh, you know, that, that I remember with, with LandNav. You know, it all depended on, like, who set the course up. And you could tell based upon where the points were. Like, you know, LandNav is about identifying you know, major terrain features and being able to get yourself to one of those terrain features, not, not find a freaking e-stake that's a foot out of the ground in the middle of a friggin' manzanita bush. Like that's not land now. <laughs> that's just, that's bullshit. But, um, you know, it makes you, it makes you stronger. It makes you stronger at land now from that. But I, for me, I guess I would look at it from the standpoint of, okay, I'm going to write, I'm going to look at a, a big whiteboard and I'm going to put all of my, all of those skills on there that we just talked about and, and really take an honest look at, Hey, where am I at with all of this stuff and kind of rate those skills on a scale of like one to 10 of where you think you're at and and then analyze that say, okay, where am I going to dedicate my training time? Like, you know, we were talking about where you're solving your technology problems just now, like the physical fitness portion of it, you know, being able to stay, being able to move your body and stay physically fit to a point where you can accomplish these tasks, um, is, is also, is also important because this is going to be what, 23 days long, 23 days. I'll tell you what, guys, if you haven't done constant and consistent operations for 23 days, both work in your body and your mind, it's going to kick your ass. Um, like even being in the mountains on a backcountry hunt for 10 days, like that's, you're smoked at the end of that time. You, you are smoked. You're moving yourself and your equipment. And like, you have to understand the endurance that comes along with that. It's going to test you spiritually. Seriously, it will like, that's not, yeah. Like, I mean, I come from a very religious background, and I, you know, I don't, I have my faith, but you know, 
on three weeks in doing something straight, like, yeah, you're spiritually tested for sure. Yeah. Well, look at it like this too, though. You know, the, the thing about it is, is I, don't, I don't want anybody to get hurt, you know? So there are, there is time in there to where you are going to get a little bit of downtime in the hotel. You're going to get your sleep time, stuff like that. It's not, we're going to stay awake for 23 days. It's not going to be as bad as what you guys have already been through. You know what I mean? It's not going to be, it's not going to be that bad. It will it test you spiritually. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Because you're going to be on for that amount of time, but yeah. that doesn't mean you're not going to be able to get a nice hot meal, a good shower. You know what I mean? A nice bed to rest in, you know, whatever the hotel you choose to stay in, you know, you can, you can still do that and still complete this match. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess I, like I said, or like you said, I don't want to scare anybody, but what I mean by like, when you just said switched on, like being switched on for that long or that duration of time, if you're not used to that, that's, that's, that's enough to kick your ass because yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in your brain and your body for that duration of time. And it's uh, it's important for you to know that. And this is going to be a great test for all of you guys out there. They're like, you know what, man, there's really nothing like this around. And I want to see if I can hang. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it every year. And we're already planning on taking it international in 2024. Whoa, that's pretty cool. I'm down for that yeah. one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That'd be like the amazing, the amazing race overseas. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So Jacob, we're, so do you have a place where people can register for this yet? Or like what, how do you want people to, to come to you to get information? The first thing I want them to do is call me and what we've got going on. I don't know when y'all are going to put this out. Um, I don't know when you guys are going to put this out, uh, but by the time, hopefully you put it out, I have a place on the website where you can come in and, and get started on it. And there's not going to be, there's not going to be much of a course description like we normally have on our websites. It's just going to be, you know, the, the competition or probably what I'll just call it or assassin's way. And, uh, you know, we can start signing up. And what I want to do is I want to make sure that, but three months, three months prior to the event, you know, in the beginning of the summer of next year, I want everybody who's going to do it to already be signed up and ready to do it. Um, but again, we'll be, we'll start taking deposits here within a week. Okay. Well, you, you heard it guys. Um, so Jacob threw out his phone number a little while ago. Um, go ahead, Jacob, throw that out one more time for those of you guys who didn't get that. Yeah, that's uh three, six, one area code three, six, one, five, two, two, four, one, six, five. And keep in mind, leave me a message. I'm still teaching classes down here and I'm not going to answer a phone call while I'm, while I'm you know, talking with my students and, and doing things like that. So sure. if I don't answer, leave me a message and I will call you back. Fantastic, man. Dude, this is going to be epic. <laughs> epic. I, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Fantastic. And it's going to be fun too. Like I say, when, whenever, whenever you, uh, whenever you have that, that, uh, that t-shirt on from from this match it's going to be something you wear with a lot of pride <laughs> for sure for sure well man so what uh phil you got any saved rounds you got anything else you want to throw out yeah i'm gonna go ahead and plug a... i'm gonna plug jacob again um i did it in the podcast with mike and uh, hey guys like if you're listening and you're looking for a good training class like go go see jacob down at rifles only and do his uh do his course i i can't speak highly i mean you know um as much as, you know, I, I uh, hashtag the 90 degrees of trigger control, I definitely didn't start that. That was a Jacob Bynum thing. I think I just uh, made it mainstream with the hashtag. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, it, 
I've had uh, several students come through Gunworks, um, Long Range University. And, you know, that, that's one of the, first, one of the things, you know, that Kaylin and I talk about is like, Hey, don't, don't just stop here with training from us, go and see other instructors to see how they able to articulate information, uh, not even instructors, but go to other teachers. And I would say that there's not too many teachers in the long range, uh, industry. There's a lot of instructors just regurgitating the same trash over and over again from a manual. They probably read 20, 30 years ago, but no one that is out there, um, explaining things because they understand, you know, um, what they found to be effective. Like, you know, again, we're in the business of communicating information, mm-hmm. right? And I think uh, Jacob has that definitely nailed down. Something that I aspire to be as I grow in this industry. And it's also, well, the thing about it is I think whenever you can, whenever you give a student a concept, if you can tell them why, then they're better able to apply. That's a good point, man. That's a really good point. And, and some of this stuff is, is a lot of it's like a connection. Like how well do you connect with the person like that's, that's giving you the information? Cause if you're not like, if you don't, if you don't have that connection, then you're only going to absorb so much. Uh, and, yep. and after that, it's going to be like, okay, well, this isn't the person, this isn't the person for me. And, and that's, uh, and that's why we encourage people to go to different training and uh, training courses and, and glean as much information as you can from, from as many different sources. It's important. I agree with y'all a thousand percent, man. Just go out and, and see, even if you go to a bathroom, at least serve as a bathroom. I think I'm losing you, Jacob. Okay. I think I'm, how about now? There you go. Any better? better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I was saying, even if you go to a to a bad course, at least at least it'll serve as what not to do. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we, we're still going to have a podcast on that: how to vet your instructors and we how are. to find a training course. Jesus. <laughs> after after the most recent dumpster fire on the internet, it's definitely appropriate. I guess I missed that one. Uh, it's, oh, it's you not didn't a waste. Anything. You don't want to uh, even guess amount second of time into that. No. All right. Well, uh, I will. I will take y'all's guys' word for it and take it to the bank, and I won't even ask. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, guys, we are coming up. I uh, looks like at about an hour and a half, and um, I just, uh, I, Jacob, thank you so much for coming on. And um, again, super humbled that you wanted to that you wanted to release your event on our podcast. Thanks for that, and uh, that that says a lot. And I want to just again thank you for everything that you've done for our community. Thank you for the dedication. Um, it's been unwavering. Your passion is, is, uh, it speaks through everything that you do for the shooting community. So thank you very much, man. Like you've been well, one I'm of my mentors too. Well, I, I, I appreciate y'all letting me come on, man. It's always, <clears throat> it's always good to talk to y'all, you know, whether we're doing it on the phone or via text message or here on the podcast, I really enjoy, you know, both of you guys and, and thank y'all for letting me come on. You know, I'm not a, I'm not, I think y'all give me too much credit. I'm not going to start to drink my own Kool-Aid because <laughs> that's, a, that's a little bit icky, but you guys are doing really, really good work out there. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and honored to know the both of you. Fantastic, man. Thanks, Jacob. Um, hey, just uh, guys, real quick, before we cut away, I just want to let you know, um, if you guys have not gotten on board with the Modern Day Sniper email list, uh, I would encourage you to do so. Head over to the website, get signed up for that at www.moderndaysniper.com because we're going to start doing our first monthly newsletter here. And in that newsletter, you're going to get different tidbits, information regarding 
um, you know, techniques, fundamental stuff, what's going on with modern day sniper, what's coming up, new classes and all that stuff. And uh, you definitely want to get yourself signed up for that. So make sure you head on over and do that. Um, thanks guys for being with us, Phil. Thanks again, man. Um, thanks for picking up my slack with the intro. <laughs> no worries. That. <laughs> hey, hey guys, if you like the podcast, like, like I said, you know, share it with someone, even if it's just one person, you got value out of it. And, um, you know, if you're, I'm not sure if you got $25,000 to drop on a, uh, on a, uh, you know, but hopefully with this, you can ask yourself, well, crap, would I be ready to uh, do a 23 day, you know, uh, event like this now, like me, phys like physically, mentally, I think I'd be able to do it, but not physically. Right. So, you know, like I said, what I'm thinking about already is how I can physically start training for something yeah. like that. Even if yeah, I'm not doing it, I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a good reminder that like, man, I need to, I need to get back in, you know, in, into operational shape. So that's a good point, man, because you know, we got, um, there's, there's so many different things that we can talk about. I'm by no means an expert on it. I just know what works for me and what I've been able to, to do over the years. And there's so much information out there and, and I am absolutely nowhere near being, uh, even remotely close to an expert on that. But, um, I think definitely having an episode on, you know, uh, what we do with regard to keeping ourselves in shape and, and keeping our bodies, uh, moving and, uh, and performing at their best. I think that's a good topic to discuss. And, um, you know, uh, we can continue to incorporate some of this stuff into the podcast now that, uh, now that we know that this event is happening, it's out in the open. And, um, I think you guys, if you do, like Phil said, man, if you got 25 grand to throw down, that's a hell of a payout for 25 grand. Oh yeah. So right on. Cool. All right, man. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening again. You guys are awesome. Keep the comments coming and uh, until next time. Oh, uh, one last thing. Congrats to Frank Galley for hitting 1 million yes. on downloads for everyday sniper podcast. That for is, sure, man. Is fuck. That's awesome. Yeah. Frank, you're fucking killing it, dude. So, all right, man. Take care. Keep your face on the gun.